Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're glad that you're here with us today. If you have a Bible, you might be opening it to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, and we'll be there in in just a moment. A couple announcements before we begin. Um, Remember that we do have a seminar beginning uh, next Sunday. We've got a lot of these cards uh, out there in the foyer, so would encourage you to, to pick one of these up or pick several of these up and give them to your friends, neighbors, anyone who uh, um, you might think would benefit from this. I, I know a lot of people uh, are struggling, you know, at this time, feel like they've gone through some of life's storms, and so that will be a, a benefit and blessing if they can be here next week and hear Brother Dobbs um, deliver those messages. Also, I mentioned on Wednesday that if you had some notes or cards or something to send the tailors, please get them to me. Uh, today, I'll be sending out a box to the tailors next week, and I'm sure they would appreciate a message or anything from you. We're in a, a series here in John, in the Gospel of John, and we're at chapter 9 this morning. So I want to begin reading in verse 1. It says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, Is he? Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. Today we are presented with with one of the signs in the Gospel of John. There are seven of these. And you'll remember that sign is the word that that John uses for miracle. And in many ways, it's a more appropriate word. Now, now a miracle is something that is beyond nature. It's beyond our understanding. We can't explain how it happened. This word sign that John uses is a little bit more specific. It tells us that that each of these miracles that Jesus is performing, they have a purpose. And their purpose is to point to the Messiah. And so they are to reveal that that God has taken on flesh and that he has dwelt among us. These signs are to help us see what we need to see. Here is God in the flesh and we are to follow him and imitate him. The problem is that we sometimes struggle to see. 
And so we need to read these accounts carefully because they are more than just miracle stories. They are stories about us. And so how do we occasionally miss what it is we need to see? How do we get caught up into ways of thinking that blind us to realities that are right in front of us? Well, we need to meditate on these words so perhaps our eyes will be opened and we will see. John 9 tells us about a blind man who is healed by Jesus and is able to see. But perhaps more surprising are all the people in this chapter who can see but are blind. And some of these individuals are, are blind to, to things, um, to, to, to big things. And so they cannot see the Messiah. They cannot see Jesus. They cannot see the work of God when it's right there performed before their eyes. There are others here who, who recognize the Messiah, but they're blind to what they need to do. They have yet to learn what it means to, to follow Jesus in this broken and fallen world. And so John 9 opens with, with Jesus' followers, his disciples, seeing a blind man on the side of the road, and they ask a question. They say, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, let's just think about this for a minute. Uh, and, and it may help to, to also think about the story of the Good Samaritan. Because there's some similarities between these two stories. What should be the Christian response to a person in need on the side of the road? What questions should we be asking ourselves when we encounter a person who is in need. And it's important for us to consider this because the, the, the questions we ask, the things that we think, are going to determine how we respond. The disciples see a blind man in need and they immediately want to cast blame on this man and his family or, or his family. Uh, someone must have done something wrong. And that's why this man is in the condition he is in. Why would blame be our first response to seeing a person in need? Think about that for a minute. Why, why would we not? You know, we see someone who's in need, our first response is just to blame them. It might be because if we can pin the fault on them, then we think that that relieves us of any responsibility that we might have. And really what we're doing is we're playing mind games. We, we, we try and justify why we don't have to help this person. You know, if he is blind because of his sin, then that's on him. He's, he's begging on the streets because he cannot see. But that's his fault. 
He should not have done what he did. Now, when we read John 9, uh, we, we think it's absurd that, that someone would blame blindness on sin. Um, this is because we know better. We, we live in a modern scientific society, and we understand that there's no correlation between sin and blindness. Some of us know better theologically. We know that sin is not inherited. It's not passed down from the parent to the child. We know Ezekiel 18 and verse 20 that says, A child shall not suffer for the iniquity of a parent. We know this, but that's not really the point. Even though our understanding of science and theology has grown over the years, we still do the same thing that we see here in John 9. We see someone on food stamps, we ask, why won't they get a job? We see someone who lives in government housing and we ask, why don't they pay rent? We see someone who's struggling to make it and we ask, why aren't they more like me? You know, I worked my way through college. I fought to, to find a job. And if they can't make it like I did, then it must be their fault. And these questions are not any different than the ones that Jesus' disciples are asking. Now, thankfully, most of us have never been in a position where we've had to, to beg or to ask for help. Most of us here this morning, we've never been physically needy. We've never been hungry or homeless. We've been blessed. However, all of us have been in a position of spiritual need. We have been lost. We have sinned and we've been separated from God. And we know what this feels like. We know the guilt and the shame that can go along with it. And I want all of us to consider a question. When, when you sinned and you were separated from God, you were lost, when, when you committed those sins, whose fault was that? Who was to blame for your spiritual neediness? Who was to blame for your spiritual condition? We all know the answer to this question. It was ourselves. We chose to sin. We chose to make bad decisions. We knew right from wrong and we chose wrong. And we ourselves were responsible for being lost. Now let me ask another question. When you turn to Jesus because you had nowhere else to go, how did Jesus respond? When you asked for forgiveness, what was his answer? Did Jesus say, well, you know what? You got yourself in this mess. You can get yourself out. Did he say, you know, I, I'm not going to help you because this is your fault. 
You should have thought about this before you made the decisions that you made. Jesus did not say that. What Jesus did is he readily forgave all of our wrongs, all of our mistakes, all of the the, the times that we deliberately disobeyed God. And we understand that Jesus is like the Father in Luke 15 who embraces his son after he returns from squandering the family's inheritance. And, And he runs to meet us and he brings out his best robe and he puts the ring on our finger and he calls for a feast and he calls for a celebration. Now, if this is how Jesus has treated us spiritually, then how are we to treat the people that we encounter who have physical needs? You know, some people who are begging on the streets, they've they've done some bad things. Many of them have made poor choices. They messed up their lives. But guess what? So have we. And Jesus forgave us. We are the recipients of of God's grace and His mercy. God forgave us when He did not have to. He saved us when we were not deserving of saving. Romans 5.8 says, God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we were not saved so we can go on treating people as they deserve to be treated. We were saved so we can treat them better. We are to show people the love that God has showed us. Good news is not giving people what they deserve. Good news is giving people what they do not deserve. And and this is how we're called to live in the world. We're to imitate this radical grace of God. We're to imitate the love that God has for us. The disciples in this story are asking the wrong questions. They, They see a blind man on the road, and their first response is, let's have a theological debate about this. And they're looking to blame. First of all, theology is not going to help this man who's looking for his next meal. And blame is what he has received his entire life. Because what the disciples are asking here, that was how kind of everybody thought of physical ailments in that day. What the man needs is help. And when we see a person in need, our first response should not be to have a political discussion or to talk about personal responsibility. Because I guarantee you that person has heard that all before. And they need someone to listen. They need someone to help. They need someone to see them. Notice how Jesus responds when the disciples ask him about who sinned. Was it the blind man or his parents? Jesus says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, Jesus knows everything. He could have explained why this man was blind. He could have talked politics and discussed the Roman occupation and how 
More people were in need during this time because of this oppression. He could have discussed theology with them. But Jesus does none of this. Instead, what Jesus says is, you know what? We should do good while we can. We must be a light in this world while we're here. That's his response. And so when we encounter someone who is in need, the the question we need to ask is, how can I help? How can I be a light in this moment? How can I share the, the love that God shared with me with this other person? Will we be able to help everyone? No, we will not. Will there be times when people ask something of us that we cannot do? Certainly. Will people take advantage of us? Yes. And guess what? Jesus said it was going to happen. He gives us this instruction in Matthew 5.40. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. It's going to happen. People will take advantage. That's okay. We're just to do what's right and do what is good. And we shouldn't be surprised by this. People took advantage of Jesus. He was betrayed by one of his followers. And those people are going to have to answer for what they do. But we'll have to answer for what we do. And what we're to do is to do good while we can. When Jesus heals the man, he, he does something interesting. He, he spits on the ground and he, he makes mud. He puts it on the man's eyes. And, uh, you, you couldn't do this nowadays because I'm sure it violates some CDC guideline. But, uh, you know, it's what Jesus does. And, and, and this is sort of an interesting aspect of this, this story. Why does Jesus do this? And the answer is we don't know. We, we do not know. Uh, we do know that, that Jesus could heal this man without doing it because he does it in other places. He doesn't have to use spit and mud and all that stuff. It, it could be that as we go out and do good, Jesus is teaching us to use what we have. We don't have to have exuberant resources in order to make a difference. All we have to do is is use what we have. That's what Jesus did. He had some spit and some dirt and he made some mud and he used that. So look at what God has given you. And think about how you could use that to maybe help someone who's in need. And we don't have to do something spectacular. We just have to do what we can. And sometimes what we can ends up being something spectacular to the person who needs it. Sometimes our ordinary objects can accomplish something extraordinary. At the beginning of John 9, Jesus heals a blind man. And at the end of John 9, the blind man sees Jesus for who he truly is. He says in verse 38, Lord, I believe. 
Blindness was a problem in Jesus' day, and not just physical blindness. That's not the biggest problem. The scribes and Pharisees could not see the Messiah. Jesus' own disciples could not see what they needed to do. And blindness is still a problem today. We, We live in this broken and divided world. And so it's essential that we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And we we try our best to avoid all these other influences that are going to distort Jesus in some way. There, There are many things in this world that are vying for our allegiance. But we're to seek the kingdom of God first. We're to We're not to allow these other allegiances to to blind us to what is eternally important. We also need to see what Jesus wants us to do. He's given us a mission. And we are to continue this work that he began. We're to, to, to imitate him and we're to follow in his footsteps. Jesus has saved us to do good works. And so we're to live for others, we're to be a blessing to those we meet. We're to live out the good news and share it freely with those around us. And finally, we need to see people in need for who they truly are. They're not someone for us to blame. They're not a conversation piece for issues that we want to discuss. They are a person who needs our help. And their need is an opportunity for us to do good. An opportunity for us to be a light in a dark world. And so we take what we have and we do what we can and then we watch what God can do. Because God can take the the ordinary and do something extraordinary. He's done it before, and he'll do it again. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful for all the many ways that you blessed us. We're thankful for your love and your grace. And I pray that we would meditate on this and that our lives would be transformed so that we would go out and we would share the love and grace that you've already shown us with the people that we meet. That we would do good while we can and that we would be a light to those around us. We honor you this morning. We praise and worship you. We're so grateful that you're here with us. Father, we're especially grateful for for Jesus who teaches us how to live and Jesus who is present in our midst and who is present with us as we go from this place. May we live like him. It's in his name we pray. Amen.